0: The answer to what computer and operating system comes after our smartphones, laptops and TVs is one that's still in development. And yet, companies from Microsoft to Apple are betting big that it could be based on augmented reality, where objects in the real world are enhanced by computer-generated content. At the forefront of that development is a company called Magic Leap. This episode, we're stepping out of the newsroom to bring you highlights from the Future of Everything Festival. For four days, Wall Street Journal editors and industry minds gathered in New York to examine how advancements in science and technology are revolutionizing business, culture, and society. John Manos and Alice Rowe work on a project at Magic Leap called MICA. It's an experimental and artificially intelligent avatar. They're joined on stage with the Wall Street Journal's personal tech columnist, Joanna Stern.
1: Magic Leap. And Magic Leap is one of the leading companies in AR or mixed reality. They're working on the headset, they're working on the software. And so, this next session is a product coming out of Magic Leap. And the title of this session, Building an Artificial Human, is really actually all you need to know about this next session. I don't even want to tee it up anymore. And uh, we're going to have John Manos and Alice Rowe, who are two of the creators behind Magic Leap's AI experiment, MICA. So, I'd like to bring to the stage. John and Alice. I'm actually going to go there. You guys go here. Hi, guys. Hey. Hello. So you guys can both be here, but the person who we really are talking about here today cannot be on the stage. In fact, she can't even really talk yet. So I want to introduce her to the stage first. She's really the star of the show. No offense to both of you guys. (laughs) We'd like to welcome to the stage... Actually, no one came on stage here. What we showed on the big screen was a photo of what basically looks like a hipster woman. She has short, spiky-ish hair, looks 26, and she's smirking. But she's what Magic Leap calls a synthetically generated AI. What is Micah? Who is Micah? Is it a what? Is it a who?
2: So I think it's important to first talk about Magic Leap a little bit, because Micah is only possible as a result of the headset itself. So our founders basically emerged from biotech, aerospace, um, software, physics, and and they were looking for ways to come up with a very natural display system. Um, Looking back in history, there was basically, there's different displays, Um, many of them tantamount to essentially like cell phone screens strapped to your eyes or whatnot, and they were trying to find ways to um, take the light that just enters your eye naturally and have right on top of that another signal that felt more natural. Um, than traditional digital media, and and therefore make it biologically like sound and very like easy for you to take in. So um, they turned to this concept of this light field signals. So and a light field basically describes all the light a wash from any given point in space, which is nearly impossible to compute. But um, nonetheless, if you did descri- if you did compute it properly, you would get something very natural. So um, basically, started developing this first these first prototypes, and how can we just dis- create this light field signal that rode in along with the light entering your eye. And it's actually the first thing I got to see uh, in late 2013. Uh, at that time, it was a very immobile prototype, um, something you kind of stick your head inside akin to what you would do in like an optometrist's office. And uh, that was, it was very compelling in that regard. And since then, we've been trying to miniaturize it, and we've succeeded. So last August in 2018, we launched Magic Leap 1 Creator Edition, which is basically our mobile version of spatial computing. But In addition to the display system itself, there's all these sensors that detect the real world and understand the real world, um, surfaces, tables, floors, uh, and and beyond. It also knows a lot about the user. It knows where you're looking, um, and it's able to use that to determine different things. So, Micah, in a lot of ways, is a personification of our mission to unify um, people and technology. Um, And so, since, since the device itself knows about the world, and Micah knows where you are, she can interact with you in a very natural way. And so, we set out early on, um, and the mission was to, to create digital humans. Our founders thought that not only could we have this device itself, but also it would enable new experiences, and digital characters was a big part of that. So the formation of our team was basically studying different ways to create digital humans, and that was largely focused on representation. To create a, real, to create a digital person, you need to start from real people. You can't just start from thin air, so part of that was capture systems, and then um, there's this notion of an un- the uncanny valley, which many of you may have heard about, but it's this idea that if you come up with a synthetic human, um, it's pretty revulsive to people unless you absolutely achieve a certain level of realism. On like, the one end of the uncanny valley, you have a teddy bear or something anthropomorphic, and on the other end, you have a digital human, and the uncanny valley describes this deep chasm that as you approach um, this realism, that it's revulsive to people unless you absolutely nail it. So this was kind of our, our big hurdle early on, like how do we get past this uncanny valley? Are you,
1: so just so to talk quickly a little bit about MICA here, MICA is a digital human, you put on this headset, you see this person in your real world and mm-hmm. to let everyone know there's going to be a demo of MICA in the lab and I suggest everyone check this out because we're going to talk about it here but it is not going to do justice to how you feel and, and what you are doing when you're interacting with this. So you guys have been working, not on the headset, though. You guys are, like, the parents of Micah? Did you guys? Yeah. I I don't want to ask you Well, no,
3: no. Firstly, no, we're not the parents (laughs) of Micah.
1: Um, How did you make that? That was a conversation offstage.
3: Or or never. But in terms of, like, who Micah is, she is a digital human that has collaboration at her core, not servitude. And that's really, really important. When I think about who Micah is, but most importantly, who she has the potential to become, because we're at the very beginning, right? I think that she is somebody who's not going to give you answers, but she'll help you ask better questions. And I've spent a lot of time with her, and the thing that I truly believe, having seen a lot of people interact with Micah, is that the way that we relate to Micah and for digital humans really, really matters because it impacts the way that we relate to each other. So it's so important to us that you don't consider her a virtual assistant. We wanna run Yeah, I wanna so
1: ask that because I asked and we, we did a pre-call because I wanted to hear a little bit about Micah and I, I asked about Micah being a personal assistant and yeah. I mean, it honestly felt like one of you guys was gonna fly to New York, punch me in the face because I <laughs> mentioned her as a personal assistant. Yes. Why is she not a personal assistant? Why did you develop Micah not Not to be Alexa. Not to be Siri.
3: Well, I'm so glad we almost proverbially punched you in the face so that you asked this question so (laughs) directly so we can tell you. It's like, yeah, she's not a digital assistant because we believe that there are so many digital assistants and they are always gendered female by default. I mean, you can change it, but they're generally female. And this is because as a society, we're socially conditioned to expect women to perform these certain roles. And we want that because we've been socialised to it, so we think it's normal, but actually we need to question why do we want that? And so for us, we need to rupture this kind of tradition of building these digital women that are designed to serve because it perpetuates really bad stereotypes, it creates binaries between the genders, and it doesn't build better futures. We're interested in the future, not what felt natural in the past and recreating it. So it's so important that MICA is active, positive, empowering. Yes, your question.
1: No, 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 look, you're on the stage. Take the stage, right? So, I mean, why not then when you were making MICA? You were starting from scratch. You're not, you know, it's not just a voice platform. It's not just an assistant you type to, mm-hmm. why not make Micah a man?
3: I have thought about this, and when we talk about Micah and the way that Roni, who is everything to Magic Leap, CEO, founder, the way that he described Micah to me when he wanted me to work on the project was that she's somebody who will make, connect us with the best parts of ourselves, who will kind of really be a powerful force for good in the world. And I was thinking, okay, so what, AI, these digital humans, they're just about to start getting way more interesting than arguably Siri or Alexa, and that's when we changed the default to a man. No, that's like what happens in history all the time. Like coders were women to begin with. Coding was a women's job, people saw it as typing. Then when they realized it was interesting and compelling, they swapped it over to a male role, and now there's very few women coders and we're sorting that out. So I think it's right that Micah right now presents as female because she's blooming wonderful.
1: Hmm. And so one thing, and you guys were all experienced, Micah. Can actually everyone in the room experience Micah? That seems yeah, like a hopefully. lot of people. Well, go sign up. As soon as, not as soon as this session's over, but as soon as lunch break. Go sign up. But one of the things I got to meet Micah yesterday, one of the things I realized really quickly was this was not like interacting with an Alexa or Siri, right? She looks at you. She sort of... Re- Responds to your facial expressions. I didn't give her the finger, but I gave her a thumbs up. And she, she didn't kind of respond, but she smiled. What? And there's a lot of technology at play here. And let's. See. What people saw here was, again, Micah's head. Her lips are pursed, and her hazel eyes are looking around the empty space she's digitally been placed in. She shuffles a bit, and she looks really quite real. At the end, she grins. That's
2: Micah, yeah. That's
1: Micah. What, tell me a little bit about the technology at play here. How, you, how is Micah responding to where I look? How does Micah know to like guide me to a certain part of the room when like she probably doesn't know what room she's in, or maybe she does. I don't know.
2: Yeah, so she actually does know what room you're in. So she knows where you are, where you're looking, where your eyes are. And one of the biggest things to to get her to look that con- convincing at first, technologically, is and something we were unwilling to compromise on entirely is her facial expression. Right. Since we're all born, like from the very beginning, we have we're just building up a database in our mind maybe we can't articulate it in words like what your face is doing but you know unmistakably whether what someone's looking at you and what they're doing so technologically that was the first big hurdle a lot of the prior art for doing that is from like uh film and video games a lot of times in feature film when you go see vfx these days you're seeing digital clones of actors who can't actually do the stunts or even a stunt person couldn't do it so a lot of our team came with specialization from that area but It's more than just doing a digital clone of someone for a film because you're basically having to interact with this character and it has to run real-time on hardware, which is a little different. When you work on uh, visuals for a movie, you can essentially have unlimited computer power to to make that work. Something like Micah had to... We didn't know at the time when we started Micah what the Magic Leap 1 was going to be at the time. So, we kind of came up technologically with what we would call levels of detail, meaning like, you know, our engineers would constantly ask us, how much computer do you need? It's like, that's the wrong question every drop of computer you have, we're gonna use it and we'll just make the fidelity better and better with that. So the video you're seeing here is basically what we would call an eye range of motion. So like the first thing to get her gaze to look really convincing would be to have her look around in a realistic way. So that eye system that um, uh, when you're interacting with her that she's looking at you in the eye, that is the first human connection that you have with her. So the abstraction there is like Micah knows where you are and her attention via AI can be guided And in many cases, like she's actually, when we look at someone in the eye, we don't just like peer into their eyes, they're actually darting around like your face in a way that's realistic. And like we slowly started to build these up in real time through the prototypes and and found um, out how to do that in a natural way. And we knew that like even though we might not be able to have all the compute power we wanted, the face was a place we would absolutely not compromise on. But probably the most interesting part technologically that occurred was after we'd been focused on like. Let's make the fidelity so high, let's make the real like the realism like to a certain extreme. Um, we added these AI bits to Micah. And the first one I think that you're and is somewhat demonstrated here is like this is offline rendered. It's kind of a movie like that shows, okay, it's completely synthetic Micah, but it's not yet running at like this isn't running on the device, and you'll see her when you when you do demo her in the lab. But um, the obvious thing is like, okay, I want I wanna have Micah look at Joanna. So like the naive thing to do technologically is like have her eyes like look at joanna and i'm like that's really uncomfortable so then she'll like turn her head to be more natural and then like if she was this way and turned her head that's uncomfortable so then she'll turn her body and so there's this ai system that's basically aiming to uh, achieve equilibrium with the viewer at any given time so when you move around and interact with micah that's probably the first core thing we do and that was a very interesting moment because when we started user testing with that People stopped like, talking about Micah in technology terms and they had very visceral responses to her like, as a person overall. And that's when our team took a step back and we're like, uh, a lot more care needs to be taken here because this isn't just about a technological representation anymore. It's about a persona. It's about a character. Yeah. So we began to assemble a writing team and almost serendipitously we met Alice at that time and she kind of came in and we started to talk about Micah as a character. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think that presence is really something you don't. You can talk about it, but you don't until you experience it. Like this, when I was doing the experience yesterday, she leaves at the end. Is that a spoiler? Is, I, no, she'd, have, she'd have to leave. This is like a Game of Thrones spoiler, <laughs> but like everyone knows what happened last night. I don't watch the show anyway. Yeah. So, um, so like she leaves the room, and I was like. Where did she go like i kind of felt like she was really quite there in that in in that space with me yeah is that i mean can is the goal that she can enter any room i mean is the idea that like you'd create spaces that were for these digital humans but where where, where are we going to meet these people
2: very much so so the thing we're most excited about is like so right now you can demo micah here but eventually of course we want her to interact with you in your space whatsoever and that's going on a technological level that's going to take advancements in AI overall uh, we already established like Magic Leap itself with all the sensors there it's constantly doing a reconstruction of the world and mm-hmm. determining different surfaces and with that like we can start to understand things about the world and understand things about your space so with that we want Mica to be able to move around your space interact with you in different ways and that's really when it'll start to realize and and that's where we're headed like overall with Micah. Yeah.
1: So one other thing that struck me is that Micah doesn't talk yet. And I was like, you told me this before I did the experience. And I was like, that's going to be really weird. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. But why doesn't Micah talk yet?
3: Well, yeah, there's two different answers. I think we'll take it like this. I mean, they're they're the same answer. But um, yeah, when we began writing these experiences, that felt like something I was kind of trying to write around. And it was like, OK, how is she going to communicate without a voice? And it was kind of worrying me. And then now, I mean, I look. I'm a bit worried about the day she can speak because it's so much more powerful with no, um, with no words. And there was an artwork by the artist Marina Abramović. She did a piece called "The Artist Is Present" here in New York in 2010. And in that artwork. She sat in MoMA and she just um, looked. People could come and sit opposite her and she would just look at them. And she would develop an emotional connection just through being with them. And that's what this is like. Micah doesn't have a voice yet, but she sure does. I'm turning American. She sure does create an emotional connection. And we've been saying that like, she doesn't have a voice, but she believes in the power of yours. So through these experiences, she wants you to use your voice in socially just ways, particularly in the Sundance piece. That was very prevalent. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like her not having a voice at the moment holds her back. But you probably want to speak yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean
2: that. voice and language is something we're obviously very interested in. And we talked a little bit about this uncanniness and like yeah. our, our goal is to be like natural with, with Micah and like her. Visual expression is something we've invested a lot in and we've also found to be quite engaging like overall and through user testing, they were, you know, that validated that. Um, so synthetic voice, which is often, you might be referred to as text-to-speech, which is like, text happens to be the main interface through all this stuff, it's like, how do you take an arbitrary uh, like line of text and convert that to uh, synthetic audio? I mean, you could do pre-recorded audio, but that falls apart very quickly because you want Micah to be able to respond dynamically. So. This, that's growing very quickly, like technologically overall, but it's not quite at the level of visual fidelity yet, and if you had a mismatch between the two, it would kind of put you back in this uncanny yeah. area, so most likely there's another branch of language, natural language processing, or the ability for a computer to understand what a user is saying, and, and that is advancing also very rapidly, and Micah will most likely understand sooner than she can speak, but we're interested in both of those things.
1: I mean, so, and and to that point, I wanted to talk a little bit about the shortcomings at this moment about uh, the headset. It was re- there was a lot of presence, and I did feel like, wow, this thing really feels like it's in the room with me. I felt like I related to her. I didn't feel that uncanny valley thing where I felt really creepy. Like cool. maybe it's That's the great. smile, how she smiles at you, you don't feel it. But there were a lot of things that, because of the headset, I felt like, oh, I'm in a virtual experience, right? One of them is the the, the field of view. Like her body kept getting cut off, or I would see through her. I would see like, oh, there's an outlet on the wall. So what are and, and this has been part of the hype around Magic Leap, right, as as you started the session, talking about how Magic Leap is supposed to use these light fields, supposed to really be better than anything else out there. What is Magic Leap doing to really get to where the, the hype was?
2: Yeah, I mean, so this is something that's under continual progression. To achieve something like Magic Leap, it's a synthesis of, you know, probably one of the trickiest bits is the optical engineering of it, but it's a synthesis of optical engineering, electrical engineering, software development, industrial design, all these pieces together. And ultimately, you have this system that's really running a real-time way and drawing two eyes at multiple depths to feel this very natural element. It's a tremendous amount of technology like assembled together to make that presence happen. Um, when you get all that right, um, you have this platform like Magic Leap, and it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a first of its kind. Or, and overall, we want to improve on that. And of course, to create a product, there's also a certain amount of time it takes to produce that properly. And There's very much aspects of it internally that we see advancements are, and we're very interested in getting past those or advancing those limitations overall. Micah pushes those the most, and I think one of the things our founders got right was it wasn't, Magic Leap wasn't just a hardware company, and our group actually grew out of this. It was, let's push experiences on the platform that um, really show what's possible and that weren't previously possible. So there's this kind of push-pull that happens with engineering teams and us as content creators, and Micah was pushing those in in a big way.
1: And could you see, I mean, maybe it works out for the hardware group. I'm sure you guys are hoping that, but could you see five years down the line, it doesn't, is available on a HoloLens, is available on some other hardware platform?
2: Potentially. I think there's AI elements that, that are shareable across the ecosystem, and I think a rising tide could lift all boats in that area. Right now, we're focused, and it's, it's been such an aggressive optimization problem to get Micah running on the device itself, and That certainly could be done for other hardware platforms, but right now we're focused on ours.
1: Okay. I want to talk about a little bit about ethics and what you guys are thinking about Mm -hmm. as you're developing, Micah. So, like I said, I had this positive reaction to her yesterday, and I felt like I was already warming up, and I was doing everything she told me to, right? And that (laughs) gave me a little pause, like this human, not real human that I just met is telling me to hang things on the wall. What if she was telling me to do something bad or... Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe this hanging this thing on the wall is actually not good for the world, mm. I don't know. What, how do you think through this interaction and how do you think through, especially the ethics, as yeah. every line of code that you make for Mica?
2: Yeah.
3: Well, as you said, like, well, as you said, Mica is only possible on a Magic Leap device, and so she shows what's possible technically, and you have to be so above the fray technically, and I, want us to be, we all want us to be there socially as well. And so with the kind of hanging of the frame and with her kind of guiding you through, it's like for us, again, That was a, it's a slight nod in terms of like she's not going to be switching up your music or switching on your lights, but it's a collaboration. And so we're so excited about the social possibilities of developing relationships with AI that isn't about serving us or replacing us, because it felt like those were the two main camps. But actually there's all this bit in between where digital humans could collaborate with us to make quite a dynamic and empowering social context in terms of like healthcare, education, culture. Like it's wide open. If we relate to her as somebody who can connect us with the best parts of ourselves, but she doesn't turn us into a master, we don't become, it's not about subservience. And it's very exciting, I think socially.
1: So is, is there someone involved in your group though that is a psychologist yes. or? she's a...
3: fantastic. <laughs> Isn't she, Joelle Zimmerman.
2: Yeah, so that's something, at the same time we started developing Micah as a persona, we knew we needed that as part of it also. And so Micah has kind of been an internal project, and the first time we shared her with the world, we had our our conference, LeapCon, in 2018 of October last year. And then uh, also as part of that, um, the curator of Sundance New Frontier was there, and that was exciting for us because we got to share Micah with a non-technical crowd or mostly like a, a cultural side audience, and... It was also the first time we could start to study data there. And something we found that was pretty fascinating. Joelle studied a lot of, of what went down there. And um there's this moment when you meet Micah, and I don't, again don't want to spoil too much, but when she smiles at you, and something like 70% of the people smile back, which mm-hmm. um in traditional sci- psychological studies, it's it's roughly about 50% or 45 or 50 percent. So that was very interesting to us. And then we went further, Micah has these like subtle visual cues where she'll like flick her eyes and look in a direction, and people will immediately look. And this is something that suggests theory of mind or the belief that Micah has consciousness. She's completely synthetic. So, so that is something that requires very high ethics. And, and like, I think you touched on the exact subject. Like this being, is, this synthetic being is asking me to do something. And with yeah. that comes great care. And we, we obviously, that's something we're very sensitive to and co- we'll continue to study over Did time. I smile
1: and yesterday? And if I don't you know. Didn't smile, I, I didn't you see. You're back. Well, I couldn't see you. are back i could not see you i was in the, watching the back of your head. Huh? You're totally crazy if you don't smile. Is that but what you're telling me? This is why... <laughs> it's like a Rorschach test of some sort, right? Like.
3: Maybe. But this is why these experiences are so, so important because we took the experience that's here, uh, or a slightly varied version, to GDC. And um, I hadn't seen huge amounts of people go through the experience yet. And I thought that a lot of people were going to meet her, relate to her as a young woman, bring all sorts of awful stuff stuff. stuff. I was prepared for the worst. And a few people walked in with that attitude. And then as soon as they realized the context of what she was doing, they corrected themselves, the vast majority of them. And people related to her in really positive human terms. And this makes me believe that it is about the the context in which she is presented and how she interacts. And actually, she can bring out good parts of us when we're expecting the worst. So it's an exciting time.
1: Do you worry about this technology getting into the hands of... The wrong people
2: i think right now and, and this is actually an interesting question right you don't have to scratch very deep in like the press to find the doom and gloom of ai overall but like our belief so micah like what we would classify under an objective in our company called human centered ai and the idea is to amplify human experience and so we see micah as a vehicle for doing that like could it i mean and right now quite honestly i think in ai there's still a very controlled aspect to it. And if we wanna want talk about AI technologies, it solves these thin slices of problems that are data rich overall. What AI technologies or machine learning technologies aren't great at are actually jumping scope or like changing subjects very quickly. So I think to achieve something like mica is, is a hybrid of like creative and persona development as well as AI elements. So um, it's, should it be a concern? Yes, but it's not something immediately concerned about because I think we're still a bit far away in that, in it just being, able to grab micah and autonomously distribute her for for i think for me i'm
1: obviously thinking about some of the ethics of of ai but also like the companies that make this i mean certainly facebook is working on this type of stuff in in their labs and through a simple smartphone app how much info have they collected on us and so it's more of the the data collection as well
2: yeah and i think what we're seeing now um is people becoming and general you know the population becoming more sensitive to uh, what's happening with their data. And I think that's an actually a really good thing because I think in a lot of cases it wasn't well understood what's happening with that data and how it was being collected. And I think awareness is is important in that regard because then people will become more sensitive to it and hold, and there'll be more accountability as a result of that.
1: So people are going to experience MICA today. You do pretty simple task with with MICA in 10 years what, are, what do you want Micah to be doing with people? How do you want to interact with Micah? I mean, very clearly, no kitchen timers, no, no turning on the light bulbs. We get that, but like, she's got to do something for us, right? I mean, we, we have us. enough friends that are humans, yeah. I think. I mean, I, not me personally. I don't have many friends. <laughs> but um, well, yeah, what, what are we doing with, with Micah? Awesome.
3: Well, I hope that what we're doing now is building the future so that when the time comes, we're ready to relate in the right ways. So in this experience, yeah, it's funny that you refer to it as a task. I refer to it as like making art and like creating. And even that distinction is interesting. Um, And so I hope that she will create with us that she will help us think in bigger, more flexible ways. So it's like, as I said at the very start of this thing, you're not going to ask her, you know, exactly what is this, but she might be able to help you think of questions and ways of thinking about things in, in bigger, more interesting terms. So I think she can definitely help us. She just won't assist us.
0: The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. This episode was produced by Becca Weinman. Thanks to our editors on the live journalism team, Yoon Hee Kim, Nikki Waller, and Kim Last. And special thanks to festival organizers, Anna Raftal, Andrea Acosta, and Robin Wood Saylor. Be sure to check back for regular episodes in the coming weeks, and remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Green.